Hallelujah. God is here in such a real and magnificent way. I believe God is here to do great things in our midst. Well, for those of you who aren't sure, I can tell you you've come way too late to my life to try to convince me that God isn't able and willing to do the miraculous. God doesn't just show up like some uninvited guest without any purpose or without any plan, but where God shows up, where God shows up, he always has a purpose in mind. And as I sensed his presence here tonight, I just believe that God has a plan for this service. I believe God has a plan for your life and a purpose for this intersection of where you are right now. And this moment in his presence. I believe like in Acts chapter 3 where the came by the beautiful gate and the lame man was there asking for alms. The Bible says he came daily to the gate. And it says daily they came to pray. But at some point his daily need met their daily faith. And a miracle happened. And tonight may just be the intersection of two roads for you. It tonight might be the intersection between the road of your need and the road of the faith of the people of God to pray for you and believe that anything is possible like we sang about. I'm just fired up about God. Anything is possible in His presence. Whew. He can be seated. Great thing about God, He can only be who He is. <laughs> He's God. And He only knows how to be God. He's only able to be God. He's not able to be less than God. And He's not able to pretend to be anything else. Now me, I've got this unique ability you probably have it too. <laughs> I, I can really only be me. And having noted that, you need to come back next Sunday when Pastor Jack is preaching. You need to come back Wednesday when Pastor Raymond Woodward is preaching because those guys are awesome. But I'm not them. You got me. And I can only be me. For better or for worse. <laughs> can only be me. But... But I've got this unique ability that even God doesn't have and that I can pretend to be something else. I can pretend not to be nervous here tonight. <laughs> I can pretend to not secretly been, be waiting for somebody to jump up and say, surprise, Operation Curtis Scott is in full-fledged motion tonight and... They'll sweep me off to the green room where I can eat some Doritos or something. I don't. I'm waiting. When Pastor Lehman asked, and I was all honored as I always am, dumbfounded as I always am. <laughs> and uh, then when the, it became clear that the sanctuary would be opening right around this time, I thought, wow, I might have the honor of being the second guy to preach a Sunday night message. 
and then, well, you know what happened last week. <laughs> but then I felt a little better that I probably didn't have to be the first one to preach a Sunday night message because Sister Woodward got up and she just stole the show last week, preached the word. My. Woo! But what an honor to be here tonight. I don't know how else to say it except just to say it. I believe God's going to meet with some of you here tonight. I believe God's going to do miracles in the house. I believe faith has already been released. And we're just going to shake it a little more and see what else falls out of that tree. And then we're going to just trust God to do what only he can do. Because I already told you, he has the ability to only be who he is. And so when we say he's way maker, it doesn't matter how lost you feel right now. He is way maker. When we say he's miracle worker, it doesn't matter how far from God you might feel or how bad the situation might seem in your own mind. He is the miracle worker, and he can only be who he is. He doesn't know anything else. And so when I say he's healer, it means he is the healer, and he can only be what he is in this house. Hallelujah. And in his presence, I'm just believing, believing tonight that anything is possible for us. And I know the carpet's changed and the chairs have changed. Somebody's happy. I think I've got a message tonight because I believe whew, beyond the cosmetic, there's something special in this house. So I'm just going to ask you to pray with me. It's all right if you just stay seated, but I'm going to ask you to just lift your voice and pray <laughs> and ask God to have his way here. I know we've prayed a couple times already. That's all right. We need him. We rely on him. Hallelujah. That's it, church. I need you for a moment. Just lift your voice. Lift your voice. Jesus, that your will be accomplished in this place, God. Feel you so strong. Your mighty presence is here, Lord. We love you. Love you. I will be done, Jesus. God had a chosen dwelling place where he would come and meet with his people. It was a great place. Rather, I suppose one could say it was a place where great things happened. Miracles took place there. Wonders took place there. Direction was given for lives. Sins were rolled away. When God chooses a spot to meet with his people, truly we can say that is a great place to be. Hmm. 
But as an amendum, I'd like to suggest and see if I can get a witness that even great places can get outdated sometimes. A couple head nods. We're still awake. To be fair, this great place, it, it, was, it was a place where great things happened for many years, but the reality of the situation was that it had really become outdated. It was a place where God would meet with his people, but really it was past its prime, if you will. When it was built, it was never meant to be a permanent spot. <laughs> but it became familiar. still functioned as a meeting place, a place where sacrifice took place, a place where worship happened, but it wasn't really as glorious a house as God deserved. <laughs> and that really was the key. That was the motivation. The old was functional, but leadership knew God deserves more than just something functional. God deserves our best. And so the senior leader stood before all the people and he declared that they would build a new place for them to meet with God. And this new place, it needed to be exceedingly magnificent. So much so that people would talk about it everywhere. His son stood and made proclamation to the people and declared, because we serve a great God, we need to build him a great house. Only a great house will suffice for a great God. Oh, sure. I'm, I, I'm assuming they, they thought about their own comfort a little bit. It's always nice. I'm sure they thought about function a little bit as they were making the final plans, but more than anything, this project would be about showing forth the greatness of God to all who would enter that place. And so Solomon began to build a temple to God, just like his father David had envisioned. And you may have noticed that I skirted the issue a little bit. <laughs> it's because many of the things that we mention about the Temple of Solomon could have some parallels to another building project you might be familiar with. <laughs> things that have happened in this sanctuary that you're sitting in right now. Because just like that old tabernacle of Moses... God had a dwelling place right here in Marysville. There was a place set aside where God would meet with his people. In fact, we've just celebrated 60 years of church history. That's a good place to clap your hands. And after 60 years of God doing miracles, signs, wonders, 
baptisms, sins being washed away, sins being forgiven, tears flowing in the altar. After 60 years of church history, our leadership realized we had a functioning sanctuary, a place where great things had happened and were happening. But God deserves our best. And this is a great place because of the God that meets us here. Hmm. But truth be told about that old sanctuary, maybe a little bit past its prime. Functional most of the time. Yeah, most of the time. <laughs> but God deserves the best. God deserves the best. And so Solomon made this plan. <laughs> he he kind of looked back at the plan that God had given to Moses for building the tabernacle, the, the old sanctuary, if you will. And he had a vision that his father had had and passed down to him. But David couldn't build this house because he was a man of war. And Solomon took those two plans and he began to build. And he was determined, I feel like, in his spirit that this new house for God was going to be bigger. It was going to be more beautiful than the old had been. We can see it in the things that he built. That old tabernacle, it had a curtain. On that curtain embroidered were all these cherubs. And so Solomon says, all right, the new place. We'll take that idea. We'll get a new curtain. We'll embroider it with cherubs, but we'll also build two huge cherubs. That would have been a good place for a slide. <laughs> we'll build two huge cherubs that, that everybody that walks in will go, wow, this place is the real deal. Look at those cherubs. The old place had cherubs, but this new place. Go big or go home. <laughs> the old tabernacle, God gave that plan to Moses. There's one table in that holy place. And Solomon says, when we build the temple, we're going to do ten, tem ten tables. Moses had one table. We're doing bigger, we're doing better, we're doing fancier, we're doing new. We'll do ten tables. That old tabernacle had one golden candlestick. Guess how many Solomon decides he needs in the temple? Ten golden candlesticks. We're going to take that plan, that idea of the way things were, but we're going we're gonna to make it so much better. Ten golden candlesticks. Whew. That old tabernacle, it had one laver. But you know what we're going to do in this temple? Ten lavers and a molten sea. Doesn't that just sound huge? Molten sea. <laughs> just the name whoo, gives you goosebumps. <laughs> it's huge. It's bigger. Better. And what about an altar, Solomon? You can't build... A house for God without an altar. Somebody say amen right there. 
That old tabernacle, it had one. Measured in cubits, five cubits by five cubits by three cubits. But this new house, this new temple, we're going to have one 20 cubits by 20 cubits by 10 cubits. More than 53 times larger than the old altar. Kind of like this screen. 53 times larger than the old screen. <laughs> Not just bigger, though. This temple has to look good. We're going to put gold everywhere. We're going to put precious stones, the Bible says, for beauty's sake. We're just going to doll it up. It's got to look good. It's precious stones everywhere you look. And maybe pastor could teach a series about this sometime. You can give me credit or not. That's all right. But Solomon seems to have an obsession with pomegranates. Everywhere you look, pomegranate, 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 pomegranate. I'm not sure. He'll tell you. <laughs> but everywhere you look, something carved, something gilded, something new, something fancy, something flashy. Solomon seems to have this one-track mind when it comes to building this new place for God to meet with his people. We'll pay homage to the past. We've still got tables. Still got candlesticks. We've still got lavers. We've still got an altar. But everything's going to be new. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be better. It'll remind us where we've come from, but it'll help us navigate into the future. Now, I don't know if that's sounding familiar to anybody or not. The old motto seemed to stand true for Solomon. Out with the old, in with the new. Out with the old baptistry, in with the new baptistry. <laughs> Out with the old lights, in with the new lights. Aren't you still amazed? Have you looked up and seen how few lights there are in this building? And it still stays like so I can see you for... Can you see me? All right. <laughs> It's just amazing, you know, out with the old, in, in with the new, out with the old soundboard, in with the new, out with the old screens, in with the new screens, out with the old, in with the new. It's the way you do things when you're in a building project. Even on our last Sunday back in the youth chapel, didn't Brother Alex Kinney preach a great message? Man, I hope you don't mind, brother. I'm just going to quote you here. But <laughs> Alex declared to us that he came to that service with a purpose. <laughs> Out with the old. <laughs> All us old folks who'd been in the youth chapel for the last few months, I think he said it in jest. Maybe. Out with the old, in with the new. I've come tonight with a very simple message for us, CCC, but it's slightly different. Here we are in this new sanctuary, and I have this terrifying privilege of preaching the first Sunday evening service that we're all together in this traditional kind of church setting. And I've come with a very simple, simple message. 
as we enjoy this beautiful sanctuary and as we enjoy everything that comes with it, I've come to declare that in the midst of the new, there are some old things that we need to bring back. In the midst of all this new, there are some old things that we need to bring back into this sanctuary. Now, lest you get worried, I'm not sure Jesus himself could resurrect those pews that used to be in here. That's not what I'm talking about. But as Solomon built the temple, he seems to have this singular goal. Everything has to be new. Everything has to be bigger than it used to be. Everything has to be better than it used to be. I want people to be amazed when they walk into this place and be in awe of the glory of God. And yet when all of the construction was completed, his mindset shifts. And it goes from a focus on the new to a focus on the old. Second Chronicles 5, 1 and 2 says, Thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. And I'm sure that was a day of great celebration. And Solomon brought in all the things that David his father had dedicated, the silver, the gold, and the instruments put he among the treasures of the house of God. It's done. Everything new is in place. Everything's shined up. The floors have been washed. Everything's glittering. And in the midst of all the new, Solomon's mind suddenly shifts. And verse 2 says, Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel, onto Jerusalem for one purpose to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. Solomon understood something. He built the latest and the greatest house he could for God and the people of God. But it needed one more thing. In the midst of all the new Solomon realized there's something old that we need to bring back into this sanctuary. He knew he had to go to the city of his father David and get a hold of the Ark of the Covenant and bring it into that temple. Solomon had this understanding. You can build a new table. You can build 10 of them. You can build a new candlestick. You can build 10 of them if you want to. You can build a new laver and a molten sea, whatever that looks like. But you can't build a new ark. You gotta get a hold of the ark of your father and your forefathers. You've got to get a hold of something old in the the midst of all the new. That Ark of the Covenant, it was the most sacred piece of furniture in all the tabernacle. It was the visible icon of the invisible God. As the children of Israel moved into their promised land, the Ark went before them leading the way. And when they camped, as they walked through the wilderness for 40 years, every time they stopped, 
They would camp around that ark. Three tribes to the north, three tribes to the south, three tribes to the east, and three tribes to the west because that ark was the literal center of Jewish life and tradition. That's it. That's something old coming back into this new sanctuary right there. The ark was God's tangible presence among his people. And Solomon knew we might have all the bells and whistles. The temple might have more lavers, more tables, more cherubs, more pomegranates than the tabernacle ever thought about having. We might have a bigger altar. But if we don't have the presence of God, it's just a building. Oh, I'm excited by all the new things we have in this sanctuary tonight. But with all the new, I've just come to tell us, unless we reach back and get a hold of something old, this is just a building. And I thank God my family's sitting right there. We're not stupid. We sit right in line with that air conditioner. Whew. I thank God for those air conditioners. <laughs> I don't, uh, sorry for meddling a little bit here, but maybe one on the sanctuary right over there. Is that a good idea? All right. Thank God for those air conditioners. Whew. It's nice to come into house of God and not get all sweaty until now, you know. <laughs> Thank God that we finally have a screen big enough that when the scripture goes up there, I don't have to squint. I'm older than I look, I know. Some of you, I, by your response, I realize I'm not the only one. <laughs> Thank God that we're going to bring visitors into this house and they're going to be blown away by the dedication of a people here in Fredericton to their God to build a place like this. Hmm. Thank God that when people walk in here, they're going to know we're a people who love God because you wouldn't do this. You wouldn't do this for a God you didn't love. But unless... We get a hold of the presence of God in this house. It's a beautiful building, but it's just a building. Like Solomon CCC, we need to reach back into our rich 60 years of history. And we need to get a hold of some old things. We need to remember. There's not a church in Marysville because we always had great facilities and had the newest and flashiest things and, and that drew a crowd. That's not the case at all. We have a church here because we serve a great God and over the past 60 years, the 
the presence of God has visited with people, hallelujah, in this community. People have been healed. People have been filled with the Holy Ghost. Conviction and anointing have filled the houses of worship that we've gathered in. There are 60 years of apostolic heritage in this community because God manifests his presence and power among his people. And when God manifests his presence and he begins to work and do miracles, that'll draw a crowd like nothing else. I thank God for great facilities. I thank God for all this new technology and how great it'll look online and how great it'll sound when anyone but me has this microphone. But it means nothing compared to the tangible presence of God being in our midst. As we transition into this new sanctuary, there's a burden being placed upon our shoulders, church, to assure that this building is more than just a building. It is upon us to assure that this is the house of God. That's on you and me. Carpets get outdated. Well, I thought someone might run a lap, but... <laughs> Chandeliers get outdated. Pews get outdated. And should the Lord tarry, everything we're celebrating today is going to be outdated down the road. But one thing that never gets outdated is the presence of God moving among his people. The most relevant church is the one where people's needs are being met. Not by programs, because programs can only do so much. But my God can do anything. My God can do anything. He can step into situations. Hallelujah. Brother Allen, he doesn't need 12 steps. Because it's not by program, right? God delivers us. God can step in in a moment and clear our heads, clear our addictions out of our system. God can set us free in an instant as we become new creatures in Christ Jesus. Ooh. The presence of God is always relevant. And so we have a choice like Solomon as we stand in the midst of the new, we need to reach back. We need to reach back and get a hold of something old and drag it into the new with us. Hallelujah. We need to get a hold of some old-fashioned religion. We need to get a hold of some old-fashioned prayer meetings. We need to get a hold of some old-fashioned moves of God. Hallelujah. And we need to drag that into this new sanctuary because without the ark, Whew. 
That's it. Just let that flow for a second. I'm just building some things in this house tonight. He cut that Pastor Lehman, thank you for that message this morning. <laughs> Keep preaching messages like that. Keep preaching about the necessity of the new birth. I don't care how many emails you get, how many people stop you in the street and said they'd be here if we changed their message. Don't change the message. Hallelujah. And thank you for being a man of God who would say, no, I'm going to draw a line. Everything here might be new, but there's an old word that we need to get a hold of. We still need to believe this old message. We still need to believe that it's by repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. It might be new all around us, but we got to get a hold of some old things to make sure that this this is the house of God. Woo. Huh. See, 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 tells us that as they brought that ark into the temple, there was only one thing inside that ark. The tablets of stone that Moses received when he received the covenant from God. The word of God with instruction for covenant. Hmm. Man, I'm so thankful, church. We're so blessed. You have these two men of God sitting over here leading this church. And they realized like Solomon, and whether it was purposeful or if it was just by the leading of the Spirit, they knew that as we open this new sanctuary, what are they preaching to us? This church that this city needs? Numbers 238, the numbers of help. Old messages about what we need to be as the church and what we ought to be preaching from this new sanctuary. It's old words. It's things we know as a church. But it's that reminder in the Spirit, hallelujah, that just because it's all new around us doesn't mean it's all out with the old, in with the new. But in with the new also means bringing in some of that old. We're thankful for the new, but we're not going to turn away from all of the old. Oh, the dusty rose might be gone, and that's okay, but you're never going to get Acts 238 out of this church. You're never going to get the preaching of the Word of God out of this church. You're never going to get prayer and a moving of the Holy Ghost out of this church because in the midst of all this new, we're getting a hold of something old and we're bringing it into the new. There's just some things you can't replace. There's just some things you can't replace. There's only one ark. There's only one covenant. There's only one word of God. Hallelujah. We're not walking away from this. Don't you dare let anybody tell you that renovations mean that things are changing at CCC. Oh yes, we're trying to show that we love God and we honor Him with the best that we can give Him. But we're never, we're never leaving the ark. 
There's always going to be something old in the midst of the new here at CCC. The burden of assuring that this is the house of God doesn't fall upon the shoulders of our preachers alone. I thank God for them and I thank God for the words that they're preaching to us. But then it comes on us. We determine if this will become a theater where we come and sit comfortably in a nice chair with air conditioning and watch a show. Or if this will be the house of God to us. They can only do so much. I thank God for everything they're doing. Thank God for the words we've been hearing and will continue to hear. Church, would you do me a favor right now, just a quickening in the spirit? Would you just reach your hands over this way? (laughs) We're going to pray a blessing. This is not taking away anything that's going to happen in two weeks, but I just feel to pray a blessing over the Lehmans right now. Hallelujah. God's hand is upon them in a way that I feel like even they don't fully appreciate and realize sometimes. God has prepared them and is using them. Hallelujah. Come on, church. That's our pastor. You don't need me in the mic right now. Just lift your voice. Lift your voice and pray. Yes, Lord. Pastor, at the conclusion of the service in two weeks' time, you're going to feel a burden come upon you that you've never felt before. I know you love our city. I know you love our people. But there's going to be a new burden being placed upon you in the Holy Ghost because you'll be bearing the weight of the seat of the lead pastorship. But God says he's prepared you. He's already spoken to you. He's already given you vision. Hallelujah. And as you step into that, he has prepared you, and you will shoulder the burden. It might not feel like it two Sundays from now. But he's prepared you fully to carry that. And I believe in you to take this church to that next level. And how many will agree with that right now? Hallelujah.
Come on, pray for the Lehmans. Pray for them. Hallelujah. As they step into that new position, new attacks are going to come, but I believe we're going to greater places. Hallelujah. 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 It's up to us to determine if this will become the house of God for us. They can only do so much. See, after the ark was put in the temple, 2 Corinthians 5, Chronicles, sorry, 5, 13 and 14, we read this. It says, it came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. That then... Then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house. When the people of God came together and began to worship God in one accord, something amazing happened. That ark was the physical representation of God's presence. And inside that ark was that law of God, that word of the Lord, that covenant symbol. And the best way for us to assure that this house can become a house of God is to assure that we're allowing the word of God to be preached in this house. You cannot separate God and His Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You cannot separate God and His Word. Where His Word is, He is. That's why Jesus... and That's <laughs> why we can see in the Scriptures where it says, and He sent His Word and healed them all. But I thought we had to anoint with oil and lay hands on the sick, and, and I thank God for that. And I'm looking forward to being able to do that again. <laughs> but not being able to do that doesn't limit God. Because where His Word is, He is. And if His Word touches you, You don't need me to touch you. Well, I thought that was good preaching. <laughs> if his word touches you, anything is possible because you can't separate him from his word. So here's the ark, the physical representation of the presence of God. And when these men preach the word of God, God is here. You cannot separate his word from him. When these men preach truth, 
God is in our midst. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be good. <laughs> you know, but a Jeff Arnold might have said that would have been a good place for an amen, but I wouldn't say that. <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> When they preach the word of God and preach the truth of the word of God, the presence of God is here. But notice something. Solomon brings this ark in, this physical representation of the presence of God. The presence of God is there. But there's no demonstration of the presence of God until the people respond to the presence of God. <laughs> so why is it sometimes we, we get more healings when people are, are crazy like me and they just shout and scream, and I, I'm, I'm sorry if I offend anybody, I just can't help myself. I just love Jesus and I'm excited about everything that he's done for me and it just flows out of me. So if you're offended by that, I feel bad for you and I'll pray for you and you pray for me, okay? <laughs> But, but when people shout and scream like, like I do sometimes, sometimes we get that faith response and miracles happen, but it seems like sometimes we have less of a faith response when just the teaching of the Word happens. And why is that? Not because the Word is any less powerful. Where He is, where His Word is preached, He is there in all that He is. He can't be anything other than who He is. The difference is our response. There was no demonstration until the people responded to the presence of God. He was there. The ark was in the house. But the glory cloud didn't show up until the people began to worship. Until there's a response to the presence of God, there will be no demonstration of the presence of God. The house was filled with the clouds so the priest could not stand to minister for the glory. <laughs> the glory of God filled the house. I'll tell you what would mark this as the house of God more than fancy projectors, more than fancy ooh, sound system, more than a new baptistry. What would really mark this as the house of God would be if the glory, <laughs> if the glory of God would fill this house. And that's our part. They're doing their part. Now that's our part. They're preaching the word. Will we respond to the word? It's not enough for them to study and give their time and energy to preaching and teaching to me and my house if all I'm going to do is walk out the same that I came. 
but there will be a demonstration of God's spirit in this house, in this new sanctuary, if I will determine in my spirit to respond to the word of God and respond to the presence of God. That's it. Come on now. Come on now. We're getting close. Those of you who are there, you just pray. You keep creating the atmosphere. I tell you, when ministers stand in this pulpit like I am right now, and they kind of prod you, they kind of poke you, they're trying to provoke you a little bit to worship God. You need to get it out of your head that that's some kind of ego trip for the man with the microphone. It's got nothing to do with me. The reason I want you to worship God is not so I'll feel good when I go home tonight, but it's because I know that if there's going to be a demonstration in the house of God tonight, if there's going to be a demonstration in your life tonight, it's only going to happen if you respond to the Word of God. Come on, that's why Jesus could do no mighty miracles when they looked at him as just the son of a carpenter. God in flesh was in their midst. But no mighty miracles could happen because they refused to respond to the presence of the almighty God standing right in front of them. Your response determines the demonstration. Ta-da-da-da-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-